Hi, everyone. This is Alicia Halliday, and this is the Autism Science Foundation Weekly Science Podcast. So thankfully, over the last few years, there have been more and more studies looking at sex differences across people with autism. What do their brains look like? What about their genetics? What about features of autism? Are they different? Many, if not most, of the studies so far have focused on children and adolescents, and adults have been less studied. And many self-reports of adults is something that's really not been looked into much at all. I mean, wait, I take that back. There have been a few studies, including some involving someone named Meng Chuan Lai at University of Toronto, that have investigated something called the camouflaging effect. And they've done this by interviewing adults with autism. Do fewer females have a diagnosis because they're able to hide it? We know that, yes, this is the case and there is a cost. So there have been studies here and there, but one of my favorite types of study is a review and meta-analysis. This is a type of study where they take many smaller studies, put all the data together almost in a pot, and then reanalyze it. That's what happened this week in a study in the UK of adult men and women with and without autism using a self-report tool called the Ritvo Autism Asperger Diagnostic Scale Revised. Now, diagnostic scale is somewhat misleading. It really tests functions as a screening instrument rather than a full comprehensive diagnosis. Anyone can actually take the screener online and I'll add a website where if you're interested, you can go and enter some information and then it'll get scored for you and you'll get a score. Now, you should not substitute this for an actual diagnosis, but It's sometimes interesting to see how you score. In other words, don't take it online and say you don't or don't have autism. Only a trained clinician can diagnose someone with autism. But it is a self-report. And it's a lifetime questionnaire, so the questions go like this. I often don't know how to act in social situations. And you would check true now and when I was young, true now only, true only when I was younger, and never true. I focus on details rather than the overall idea. True now and when I was young, true now only, true when I was younger, or never true. Sometimes I offend others by saying what I am thinking, even if I don't mean to. I only like to talk to people who share my special interests. So you get the point here. They're asking about self-reported autism symptoms. So what they did is took dozens of studies and put the data together, a total of 961 people, and matched them as well as they could on age. And when I say match, I mean match across autism groups, male and female, and then on males and females without autism. So what they ended up is like with about 130 typically developing men, 136 typically developing women, 118 autistic men, and 136 autistic women. As you would expect, people with autism had higher scores on impaired social relatedness, circumscribed interests, language issues, and sensory motor problems. Not surprising, right? These are the people with autism. And for the most part, the scores between males and females were similar in those with autism and those without autism, so there weren't huge sex differences. However, there were a few exceptions that are worth noting. Females, both with and without autism, showed fewer circumscribed interests. However, with language, there were differences between men and women without autism, meaning, yes, women are better communicators, but that was not seen in men and women with autism. This is in line with the idea of an extreme male brain and that females have this male brain. Now, I'm not saying this hypothesis or interpretation of the data is right or wrong, but it's there. Surprisingly, they also found that in autism, females showed higher sensory motor difficulties than males. 
this was not seen in people without autism. So in instead of lessening the male-female differences, like what happened in language, it actually exacerbated them. So a couple years ago, Summer Bishop, Renee Jameson, and Maricel Huerta and I published a study where we surveyed clinicians on male-female differences. So this is kind of like the yin to the yang of this study. People with autism reporting their own symptoms in their own perspective versus clinicians who see people with autism, how do they look at sex differences? Now, we didn't find the same things that this study found. In fact, we found that during adolescence and adults, clinicians rated males and females with autism differently in terms of social interaction, and that wasn't found here. And actually, they were the same in sensory issues, and in this study, they found it to be different. But let's be fair. For the most part, clinicians rated males and females the same on a lot of different measures across the DSM. So in that way, the studies are consistent. Now, there's a lot of reasons why clinicians may rate people with autism different than they rate themselves, including that females may try and hide symptoms. Asking someone one question is different than asking another person a different question, even if it's about the same topic. Males and females with autism have very subtle differences in features of autism. So what does this mean? The authors express concerns that the current ways of diagnosing females may be inadequate and need improvement. Now, I will never say everything is always perfect, and of course there's always room for improvement. I'm in favor of better diagnosing women, but I'm not entirely sure that just these data give scientists enough information on what exactly to do. Now, there was another study this week that looked at self-reported features of autism in adults, but across different stages of adulthood. Remember, the last study looked at sex differences, but it looked at in adults. Now, it asked the question in adults how they felt their symptoms changed across ages, and interestingly, how someone close to them felt about their symptoms. So essentially, they asked an autistic to rate themselves, and then they asked a spouse or a caregiver or someone else living in their residence to rate them too. To be interesting, they did this with autistic people, and they compared that against people without autism. I should also mention that the authors of this study were Hilde Gertz, who was the program chair of INSAR this year. So as expected, they found a high rate of autism traits and sensory sensitivity and lower perspective taking and higher emotional distress in people with autism. And like the other study, females showed higher sensory issues. However, in this study, the females themselves who had autism reported higher levels of ASD traits than the males who said they had autism. I think that's kind of interesting. Now, looking at age, and remember, these people with autism had a normal to high IQ, they found that autistic traits peaked into middle adulthood, at least that's when the autistic people reported to have the highest level of these symptoms. This was not a longitudinal study. This was not a study where they track the same person from childhood all the way to adulthood. Those studies are few and far between. This study actually looked at different groups of people at different ages. So there might be some variability around that. I would love to see a longitudinal study where they look at the same person over and over again and they fill out the same questionnaire over and over again to see how their symptoms, their self-reported symptoms change over time and how they feel that things are getting better or worse for them. What's also interesting and may also explain why the study of clinicians that uh, we published was kind of different from the study of people with autism themselves is that there was little or no agreement between what the autistic person said about themselves versus what someone close to them said about them. 
And by the way, this was true for both groups, so it really had nothing to do with autism. It's not because of a specific deficits autistics have in being able to understand their own feelings. It's probably called a Raider bias. So would you report something about yourself that you were embarrassed by or a different way of perceiving or experiencing behavioral traits? So this peak in autism symptoms in middle adulthood was not seen by observers or people without autism. This was something that was specific to people with autism themselves. Partners, family members, and friends saw the symptoms staying pretty stable throughout life, but it was the people with autism that felt like things were worse or things were really ramping up in middle adulthood. Now this clearly needs more attention. If people with autism are rating themselves higher on autism behaviors in middle adulthood, why? What is going on? They seem not to be noticing them as much in early adulthood and maybe they don't care as much in later adulthood. Maybe they're more comfortable with who they are. Maybe in younger adulthood, there's so much other stuff going on. Symptoms of autism aren't as as profound. I, I really don't know. And actually what I want is for people with autism, autistics themselves, who have thoughts on these findings to send me an email or reply in the comment box of the podcast. There's obviously no idea or suggestion that's out of range. I want to hear from you on this. Next year, I'm going to be responding to a request to discuss a new systematic review looking at early behavioral interventions of people with autism. And after that, sometime in the near future, we're going to do a podcast with Claire Harrop at UNC, who's been studying sex differences in toddlers for pretty much her whole career. This was a topic that came out in our Facebook posting about what people wanted to hear on the podcasts. So thanks for listening, and thanks for telling me what you want to hear.